I uh, want to cover a few things with you that deals with the, the real main purpose of Christmas. You see, if there was no child being born, there was no man to die on the cross. And if no one died on the cross and came back from the dead and no sins were paid for, there wouldn't be a good message. There wouldn't be no good news. But because it did happen, wouldn't it be a shame to slap the Son of God in the face by trying to annul what he did? That's what happens whenever you add to the gospel. If I was to tell you, I want you to go to the gymnasium, and you say, well, where's the gymnasium? I say, it's that away. Why would I have to say it's not that away? If I told you it is that away, you should automatically know it's not that away. And if you understood anything that I said, you should know that it's not that away or that away or that away because I told you it's that away. So which way is it? How many of you got it right? Which way is it? That away. <laughs> There's him over there. He's pointing that away. <laughs> the reason. When you study Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. Well, if you're saved by grace, then it can't be of yourself, because that means you'd have to earn it. You can't will it to be done. Not of works. Well, why would you have to say not of works if it is by grace? Because some people just don't get it. And you got to spell it out for them. So I um, want you to see the notes that I told the pass out to you. Believe it or not, this is a sermon I was going to do later, but I thought I would share it with you tonight because it's, it really deals with the, the truth of the gospel. And the other night I spoke on the truth of the Christmas story. Because the story and the gospel have to agree. And one is not to mess up the other one. Whatever our method of giving the gospel and our presentation of giving the gospel should not compromise the truth of the gospel. So anyway, if you look at the top of it, when you know what the gospel is, grace, then you know what the gospel is not. It's not by works. So God spells that out very, very clearly in his word. In spite of knowing this and how many preachers can quote these verses... Not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And they can quote all those verses and turn right around and tell people to turn from their sin, make Christ Lord and Master of their life, and all that bunch of add-ons. That's like going into McDonald's and getting a cup of coffee. You want fries with that? Well, this is free. Well, you want fries with that? The gospel is a gift. You want fries with that? You want to add something to it? There's nothing you can add to the gospel. So now look at that little paragraph there. This list is not the gospel of salvation. However, to understand the gospel, one needs to understand what the gospel is not. None of these things will save you, yet religion and men teach and preach. This is how one gets saved. Again, this is not the gospel. None of these things will save you. You and I already know this. I probably, after the first of the year, I will probably have on a Sunday morning, I'm going to do this sermon all over again. 
because I believe there's probably people on Sunday morning that need to hear this Christmas message. Though it doesn't look like a Christmas message, it just looks like the message we preach every day and every week and every year. It ought to be because the story doesn't change. The gospel doesn't change. First statement there, religion teach one must confess sins to get saved. Do you know there's people, independent, fundamental, Bible, missionary-minded Baptist churches that teach you've got to confess Christ to be saved. And so they'll have people stand up and sing 15 verses of Just As I Am, then tell you, get down here because you can't come the way you are. Because you've got to get, clean up your life and be worthy of being saved by promising to quit something. Now, it all sounds spiritual, it all sounds holy because some of this is true. It's just that they've taken parts that belong to service and put it into salvation. Should a person make Christ the Lord and the master of their life and all that? Well, yes. To be saved? No. So you see, those things can be good in themselves if you are saved and you understand, yes, as a Christian, I should confess Christ with my mouth. That's how people hear the gospel. But the man that's lost doesn't have to do that. That's teaching works for salvation. So a lost person confesses he's a sinner. A Christian confesses his sins to walk honestly with the Lord. Because if you want to walk with the Lord, you've got to be honest between you and God. You're not honest between you and the Lord and own up to it. See, God knows everything you do wrong. All God wants you to do is admit it, admit it, admit it. You see, the sin's already been paid, but you want to walk on it. You want God's blessing. You've got to be honest with God. You can't live a lie. So yes, a Christian should confess his sins. It's all, I say a lost man just confesses, I'm an apple tree. But the Christian has to confess the apples on the tree. One is for salvation. I'm a sinner. And the Christian confesses, look what I did. Look what I did. And Lord, forgive me of my apples. No, God, name that apple. I lied. I was filled with pride. I stole. I did this. I did this. Name the particular. Lord, just forgive me of all my sins. Uh, God says, confess it. It means name it. Own up to it. Be honest. Be honest between you and the Lord. Look at Nicholas. Religion teaches one must say a sinner's prayer to get saved. Now, you can say a sinner's prayer. I said the sinner's prayer. But if you trust in the sinner's prayer, it can't save you. You still have to trust Christ as your Savior. You can't trust the prayer. Because the prayer is not what saves anybody. People all over the world are praying. True? You take it by any religion, they all pray. Okay, they're all saved. So prayer's not saving you. But if you, can, you pray and you still don't trust Christ as your Savior, you're still not saved just because you prayed a prayer. Well, I prayed a prayer. That didn't save you. And you say, what is the sinner's prayer? Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Jesus' sake. That's the sinner's prayer. I said that years ago. But my father-in-law, he looked at me, and he says, and he showed me a verse in Romans. Then he showed me John 3, 16. He says, you believe that? I said, yes. He says, are you saved? I says, I don't know. I hope so, I guess. I did just like everybody else did. He said, well, what does it say? He said, if I believe it, I'm saved. He said, well, do you believe it? Yes. Are you saved? Well, I, I guess I am. He said, yes, you are. Do you not know you are? He went over that thing with me I don't know how many times. Now, he wasn't as clear as what we are today, but he didn't go to Florida Bible College. But he led me to the Lord. Look at the next statement. Religion teaches one must ask Jesus into your heart to get saved. Understand this. You can ask Jesus to come into your heart, your liver, your lungs, your eye, your toe. He doesn't indwell you because you ask him. 
He indwells you as a result of you trusting him as your savior. You trust him as your savior, he will indwell. But you can ask him all day long to come in your heart. Where does that say anything about you trusting and believing that he died on that cross, paid for your sins, and you're trusting what he did on the cross for you? It has nothing to do with that. And so a lot of times, teachers, Sunday school teachers, are teaching little kids, just ask Jesus to come into your heart. I've made that mistake. I've done some of that. I asked these two little girls. I said, would you, uh, you want to get saved? Uh-huh. I said, you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart? Uh-huh. I said, go ahead. I didn't know what else to do with them. They bowed their head and says, Something, I don't know what they said. They said, amen, and they looked up at me. I says, well, did you ask him? Uh-huh. I says, um, did he come in? They said, uh-huh. I said, how do you know? I feel it right here. I thought, I, I've never felt it right here. I'm, I'm not clear. But I didn't know. I had just got to Florida Bible College, and I went out with Hank Lindstrom to a migrant camp in Belle Glades, Florida, 1965. And lo and behold, I had a lot to learn. Even though I was... Concerned and fervent, and you know, I was on fire. I wanted to do something. It's just that you know, I was ready to run, but I didn't know what the message was. You got to get the message clear. And there's a lot of people running, but they don't have the message right. Get the message clear first. Look at the next statement. Religion teaches one must surrender your life to Jesus to get saved. But that's not the gospel. It's not like, well, there's a war going on and I give up. I surrender. I'm not going to fight God anymore. I give in. Whatever he wants me to do, I'm not going to fight him anymore. That's not salvation. It might sound good and you might show a sign of humility, but that has nothing to do with trusting Christ as your Savior. Should a Christian, a person who's trusted Christ as Savior, should a Christian surrender his life to the Lord? Yes. Should he run from God or surrender and do whatever God wants him to do? Lord, I don't want to fight with you no more. I don't want to be against you. I don't want to resist your will and submit yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. For the Christian, but for the lost man, it's uh, not the gospel. And that's not how a man is saved. But after, yes. Religion teaches one must stop sinning to get saved. That's not the gospel. This means to stop being bad. You've heard me say this over and over again. This produces confusion as to which sin to stop and for how long. Because if you tell a man he's got to turn from his sins, okay, which ones? Now you've got to answer the question. All of them or just some of them? Or just the big ones and not the little ones? Well, what if you're wrong? What if you tell somebody wrong? What if you told them that they got to turn from all their sins and you only told them they had to only turn from the bad ones? And then how long do you have to turn from them? So that means that I have to live a clean, perfect life. Life from here on out, not sinning anymore. But what if I do sin again? You've opened up a can of worms. That's confusion. That's not the gospel. The gospel is clear cut. It's free. No add-ons. No add-ons are needed. But people can't believe that. I have preached around this country. I've been in a lot of meetings with preachers getting up there preaching sermons. And I sit there and cringe. And I think, don't they understand the gospel. I uh, mentioned this in a couple of the college classes, but I'll just mention it one more time. I was up there speaking for Dr. Greg Dixon in Annapolis Baptist Temple years ago. He'd asked me if I would uh, speak in their uh, unregistered church uh, Baptist fellowship meeting. I said, sure, I'll speak. And I knew that whenever I got there, there's people that don't believe like I do. 
But Dr. Dixon always liked me to speak because, well, he, he liked the gospel that I preached. And he told me so. He says, I've never heard anybody give the gospel as clear as you do. And I thanked him for that. But he had all these other guys that were not clear. But he, I, I guess he wanted a balance. So when I got there to speak and I looked and there's several hundred of these Baptist preachers in there. And I, I thought, if I die, I die. But I may never get another chance. I might have just, you know, dumped the whole load. So I decided uh, I'm just going to let it rip. And I'm going to say what the gospel is. And I'm going to say what the gospel is not. And I'm going to hit on lordship salvation. I'm going to hit as hard as I can on repentance. Of course, some of the people that got up and spoke before I did was telling them how that we got to get back to old time repentance. We got to get people right with God. And oh man, they really pound the pulpit and they holler and yell and screamed and all that right there. And I thought, where's the beef? Where's the beef? A lot of fluff, no substance. And uh, the, if the, the way you want to get Baptists on your side, you just say, I believe in the King James. Amen, 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 all the way, amen. I believe in having high standards. Amen. They want a little go to that one. And you just name it, and you know, that the fundamentals of the faith and, and all that. And you can spend up 20 minutes, 30 minutes just doing all of that and getting all their, on their side. Well, I thought, I ain't got time to waste all that kind of time. And I'm going to hit it right off the bat. And I, I did. But I knew that there was one man there. That was very, very strong, and I had heard him preach, and he was, he was mean. He was rough. And I knew that if I get through, this may be my last day on earth. I mean, the guy, he was huge. He was big. I shook hands with him one time, and he just swallowed my hand. And I thought, where's my wife? My wife might have been there, but I'm not real sure now. Yeah, yeah, you, you were there. She goes to these meetings, she said, sharing cringes. <laughs> And so I knew that this one guy back in the back corner, and there was a bunch of them in there. And so I told about repent and how that there's preachers that are adding to the gospel. That is not the gospel. Not a one of y'all have ever turned from your sins and blah, 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 blah. I went on to. And I told him that Lordship salvation, how wrong it is. And it's just making, you know, the, the gospel of none effect. And, and so I, I hit that as good as I did. It could. And I said, there's no, there's no such thing as having evidences of salvation. There are no evidences that you're saved. You can't see a spiritual birth. And there's nothing a man can do to convince you that he's really saved. I can't convince you I am really saved. There is no way I can convince you I'm really saved. All you know and what you believe is what I tell you. But I could lie to you. I could deceive you. True? Now, I'm not, but I mean I could. So after I got through, I went down. I was going back to my little table I had and a chart that I had over there, and I waited for the onslaught. And when I was walking this way, I saw that man get up same time I did. And I walked down the steps, and I walked on. He has a big church up there. This was a long time ago. And that guy got up, and he started walking across. And I know where he came into my table. And he got right over to my table. He walked up to me, and I'm talking about... He looked like, you know, wearing a Saturday night live wrestling match. And he walked right up to me and he put that big old hand out. He says, I want to shake your hand. That's the best message I've ever heard on the gospel. I agree with everything you said. He says, would you come to Texas and speak in my meeting that I have down there? I said, yes, sir. I went down there and spoke in that meeting. <laughs> 
and you know that they'll get right up and preach the next sermon. You got to repent and do the same thing all over again. Like they didn't hear a word I said. You say people ain't like that. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Look at the next statement. Religion teaches one must feel sorry for your sin to get saved. Understand this. Salvation is not based on feelings. It doesn't matter how you feel about anything. Feeling has nothing to do with salvation. You may get saved and you was crying a bucket of tears. And somebody else trusted Christ as a smile on their face. Now, which one was genuine? Well, the tears, he was under conviction. You mean a person can't get saved if they're not under conviction of the tears? Well, that's because they were sorry for their sins. There's no verse in the Bible that says you have to be sorry for your sin. Should you be sorry for your sin? Yeah, but there's no scripture that demands. You've got to be sorry for whatever you've done wrong. Oh, uh, which wrong? How many of them? Can you remember all of your sins? You've got to confess all your sins. How many sins can you remember? Uh, uh, last week, I think I did something. You didn't already forgot them and moved on. Now, God knows all of them. But it's not based upon your feelings. How you feel about your sins has nothing to do with salvation. He that believeth hath everlasting life. It's based upon the fact Christ died on that cross, paid for my sins, and if I trust Him, I have eternal life. The next statement, religion teaches one must turn away from sin to get saved. This is not the gospel. This means to stop being bad. This produces confusion. Next one, religion teaches one must walk to the front of the church and get saved. This is not the gospel. You don't have to walk to the front of the church, the back of the church, side of the church. You can trust Christ as Savior right where you sit. Yes or no? You can. Now, there's nothing wrong in going to the front of the church if they are going to take the Bible and show you how to be saved. But if that's the only way they know to do it, whatever they tell you down here, why can't they just go ahead and tell you where you're sitting? What difference does that make? Because, you see, you get to see the decisions. And these decisions reveal how effective I am. So the more people I can get to make decisions, the more, well, I get paid. The more I get opportunities to go to other churches and more other preachers want because he gets decisions. If I have 100 people, I preach. I expect at least the minimum of 100 decisions every time. Because some of you are going to decide yes, and some of you decide no. And some of you say, I'm not going to decide at all. That's the decision. But I believe everybody makes a decision every time I preach on something that I say. You may sit here and hear one sermon and make 10 decisions about what you're going to do with your life. Is it possible? But these are the only ones we count. No. People can do it, but I'm just saying that it's not the gospel. It's not required in the gospel that you have to walk forward and confess it in church to be saved. If people want to do that, go ahead, but don't say that's what you have to do. The next statement. Religion teaches one must get water baptized to get saved. This is not the gospel. Now look at my little statement that I have here. If true, then salvation is by works. And the one who baptizes is the Savior, not Christ. The thief on the cross was not baptized, and Christ told him that he would be in paradise. Isn't that true? Did the thief get off the cross, get baptized, and then get back up? Well, he got down and joined the church, then got back up. Well, he said, oh, I promise, I'll not do anything bad anymore. <laughs> well, he can keep his word there. 
He's going to commit his life to Christ. How much? Well, he only had to commit about two minutes because he was dying, you know. Now, is it fair for one man to have to commit his life to only two or three minutes or five at the most? And me, I've had to commit 57 years. That's not fair. I had 57 years to lose my salvation. He only had two. Not right. So you don't have to. Look at the next statement. Religion teaches one must get infants baptized to get saved. You know there's people who actually believe you have to baptize a child in order to get them saved, safe and secure. There's religions that teach that. But baptism is for believers only. Only believers. See, all these things is like taking Jesus Christ. You know that little baby that was born in a manger? He grew up and went to a cross to die for all the world. And what we've done is we've slapped him in the face and that's not enough. Everything he went through, all the shame, all the punishment that he went through, the death that he died, all that, that's good. But it wasn't enough. I had to still get water baptized. That's like John John having a Maserati and he wants to give it to me. It's only cost about, say, $200,000. He wants to give it to me. I said, John, John, I really appreciate it. You know, buddy, I, I can't take that for nothing. I mean, i got to have a part in this here. Um, here's a quarter. Now, if I give him this quarter, remember, I cannot cheapen that car. Well, the value of that car, unless he takes it. If he don't take it, that car is still valuable. He won't let me have it because I can't have it. I can't buy it. Salvation is free. If Jesus Christ accepted a little payment, I'll turn from my sins. I'll commit my life. I'll get water baptized. He cheapens what he did. He can only one that can cheapen it. He's the one that has to make it of none effect. But the Bible says it's by grace and it's not by works. And I don't believe that Jesus Christ is going to cheapen what he did for me. He says this is the way it is. It's free or not at all. Free or not at all. That's why you'll find in certain places of none effect. Christ become of none effect. And if a man could deliver himself by his own righteousness and Christ is dead, hmm, in vain. Look at the next statement. Down at the bottom of the page, religion teach one must give enough money to get saved. He must give money. Now, if you had to give money, okay, what if you didn't have any? And if you had to give money, how much? Who told you how much money to give? Well, if you got to buy it, shouldn't it be the same price for everybody? Everybody have to pay the same amount? But you see, there's people that are saying you've got to make a payment. Did you know just by promising to be good, that means you've got to make a payment? You're making payments. Did you ever get a car and have to make payments? What happens if you don't make the payments? Well, la-di-da. You see why people can lose their salvation? Because they're making payments on it. I've got it as long as I'm good. But if I miss a payment by being bad, uh, then I, I, I lose my car. And so that's, I mean, God says when he died on the cross, it is finished. Paid in full. There's no payments for me to make. But look how many people are mutilating the gospel of Jesus Christ by adding to what he did. 
Page 2. Religion teaches one must make Jesus king and Lord of your life to be saved. That's not the gospel. This would be a commitment to serve. Remember, salvation is a decision to trust. Service is a commitment to serve. Salvation is a decision to trust. I'm trusting Christ to save me. Should a person who knows the Lord, should a person commit himself to serving the Lord? There's nothing wrong with that. But you'll notice that Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 comes after salvation. Notice when he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That means in view of what God's done for you, that you present your bodies. When, as you do this before you're saved or you're doing this after you're saved? It's the will of God that you do this after you're saved. Present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable what? What's the next word? Service. service. So that's talking about service. So when you ask a lost man that he has to do this, then that's service, and that means salvation is not by grace. It is by your works. So this verse in Romans in chapter 12, verse 2, also says in verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. Is he talking to you after you're saved or before you're saved? After you're saved. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, the way you discover the perfect will of God is you have to present your body as a living sacrifice. That's why some people will never know the will of God because they'll never present themselves and commit themselves to serve. After you commit yourself to do it, then you study to renew your mind so that you can transform your life and you discover that perfect will of God. God doesn't tell you everything up front unless you're willing to do it. See, most people think, God, you tell me everything that you want me to do and where you want me to go and how you want me to serve and what's going to happen down the road, and then I'll decide. God says, <laughs> forget all of that. That's why he says in the book of uh, Luke in chapter 14, you ought to read that whole chapter. It's excellent on discipleship. If a man doesn't love the Lord more than mother and father and brother and sister and hate, he said, you can't be my disciple. You can't be my disciple. You can play the game, but you can't be my disciple. The Lord's pretty serious about that. 